Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. Last week we, f- we finished the book of Jeremiah, but today really Lamentations just kind of picks right up where, where Jeremiah finished. So if you're looking for it, it comes actually right after the book of Jeremiah. As you're turning there, I was recently uh, peer pressured by some men in this church. Um, I, was, I was peer pressured to join a church league softball team that I didn't want to be a part of at all. Uh, you got to know, I haven't played baseball since like eighth grade. I quit in eighth grade because they started throwing the ball and making it move and stuff. I was like, I'm out on that, you know, I'm going to play football and basketball. So that's what I did. But anyway, they wanted me to join this, this softball team. And I had guys calling me saying, we will leave this church if you don't play on this softball team. (laughs) And so I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll play. So we had our first game a couple of weeks ago and I go out there to play and turns out it's a doubleheader. I know for sure nobody told me about doubleheaders whenever they asked me to be on this team, but we go to play our first game. The first game honestly goes pretty well. Um, I surprised myself. I went three for three at the plate. Every one of them out in the outfield, long ways out there, so that's good. Uh, I forgot about the part that you gotta run the bases after you hit it though, you know, and running is something I try and avoid at all costs. Um, especially running fast. And so running bases, I was hurting, whatnot, but I made a catch out in right field. The first game went, went pretty well. We beat a bunch of high school kids from the Conway football team, and so that felt good, right? <laughs> so physically, I'm hurting from, from the game, but feeling good, you know, emotionally. Well, then the second game comes, and uh, we're playing basically the Monstars. Right, these dudes, they've got custom jerseys. They, they look like they just wake up and play softball every day. That's what they do. Turns out we're the only church in this league. It's not actually a church league. It's a bunch of grown men who play softball. And uh, so anyway, we're playing this team and they were very, very good. And we got beat very, very bad, <laughs> right? Um, but we, we start to play and because I'd gone three for three in the first game, I had some confidence built up at this point. And uh, I step up to the plate and I thought, if I don't wanna run the bases, I'll just hit it over the fence, you know? And so I swung hard. I mean, I swung with everything that I had in me and just completely whiffed. I I took my eyes off the ball, swung too hard and missed. And I think I literally heard my lower back say, that was dumb. (laughs) Don't do that again. So then the next pitch comes, I just watch it, it's a strike. Somehow I strike out in slow pitch softball, didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) And so that was my experience. My ego was now hurt as well, as well as hurting physically. So I get home and my wife uh, very graciously has two ibuprofen sitting on the counter (laughs) and a heat pack waiting on me. She knew that I was gonna be in in some pain. That didn't stop me though from all week complaining (laughs) about my pain because that's what you do, right fellas? You complain to to your wife. So we're talking this morning about dealing with pain and actually even telling someone about that that pain. See, in a similar way, we all experience pain in this life, and sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes it's taking your eye off the ball and swinging way too hard, and you end up hurting yourself. Sometimes pain is 
inflicted by others in your life. Sometimes pain is just inflicted by the sinful world that we live in, right? It's not brought on by anything that you did, but it's just pain comes your way. And so the question that we're gonna wrestle with this morning is, what do you do when life hurts? What do you do when life hurts? So the book of Lamentations. Um, the book of Lamentations is, honestly, it's like a continuation of the book of Jeremiah in a lot of ways. Most people think it's written by Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, if you remember, we just spent 12 weeks in that study. He is known as the weeping prophet. He, he walked through some really difficult things. His job that the Lord assigned him to, to declare judgment to the people of God was a tough task for him to take on. Uh, he saw a lot of destruction, a lot of pain. And so a lament, right, the book of Lamentations, a lament is this, if I could define it for you. It's essentially voicing your pain and then trusting God, all right? And that's what we're gonna see Jeremiah do. He faced all kinds of destruction and pain and, and, and whatnot in Jerusalem. If you remember the story of what we've walked through over the last 12 weeks, remember like King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon comes in and destroys the city of Jerusalem, right? It, it talks about how he comes in and he burns the temple, he burns the king's palace, he burns all their homes, that's Jeremiah 52. And so we know that Jeremiah has experienced a ton of pain and he's seen a lot of destruction. But one thing we didn't talk about in our Jeremiah series that we're gonna see here very closely is that was Jeremiah's home too. And so what we see in the book of Lamentations is this is his personal response. It's his personal response to all of the destruction that he has seen. Right? So that's what we're going to look at. Before we dive into our text, I, I would love for us just to pray and set our minds and our hearts in the right direction. So as I pray, just pray for yourself that the Lord would speak to you in this moment. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would um, just minister to our hearts right now. I know that there are many in this room walking through painful things, difficult things, but your word doesn't shy away from that. It actually leans right into it. And so would you help us just to see your goodness and your faithfulness, that you're trustworthy, and that we can bring our pain straight to you. And so through this text, Lord, would you just speak to us? Would you help us just to have eyes and ears and a heart that is open to your word? We wanna hear from you. We don't wanna hear from me. And so would you speak? It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. All right, Lamentations chapter three. Start in verse 19 with me. Jeremiah says this. He says, remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say the Lord is my portion, therefore I will put my hope in him. So what we're gonna see in this text is just a couple of observations that we can learn from Jeremiah how we, too, can lament, right? How we can lament. The first thing that you see is recognize real pain. Like if we're gonna lament and we're gonna follow in this example here that we're given in scripture, we need to recognize real pain. He says in verses 19 and 20, he says, I remember my affliction and my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison, I continually remember them and have become 
depressed. Remember, a lament is, is, is a way of voicing your pain. So can we just, together, can we just acknowledge that life is tough? Like, let's just, let's begin there this morning, that life is tough. I mean, think about the last three years that we've walked through, like COVID and just the effects that it's had on our world, on our nation, on our, on our communities, our churches, and then on us personally, right? Just the mental toll that it's taken, the psychological effects that COVID has had on our society. There's also uh, cultural unrest that makes life difficult for us. There's political uh, you know, turmoil. There's war in our world. And then all of us face personal issues, whether that's health or job or family relationships or just difficulties in life in general. We face things that are tough. And so I think we just need to start there. Like life is tough. Life is difficult. And Jeremiah is walking through the things that he's faced and he actually uses the word depressed to describe his feelings. Did you see that? He, he says that in verse 20. He says, I've become depressed. It, it's this picture of being flattened, being weighed down. You know, study after study today shows that, that worldwide, depression and anxiety are at an all-time high. In, in fact, like the most conservative statistics say that, that depression and, and anxiety are up over 25% since COVID. And that's not just one demographic, not just one age group, that's, that's students, that's young adults, that's senior adults, everyone is affected by this, right? And so if that's you, and you, you would say, man, I think like I'm there, I want you to know you're not weak, you're not crazy, you're not alone, all right? It, it's on the rise. It's a, it's a real thing. But maybe you're going, I don't know about depressed. That seems like a strong word for how I'm feeling. But if I'm honest, like I do feel like life kind of has me down. I know that we all walk through seasons like that where life just has us, has us down. And so what we see in this text, and maybe what you need to just admit to yourself, is that pain is real. Pain is real. That's what Jeremiah says. He's, he's talking about the things that he's faced. He specifically mentions homelessness. His, his homelessness is causing him pain. Remember, uh, Jeremiah 52, verse 13, that Nebuchadnezzar comes in, he burns down the Lord's temple, burns down the king's palace, and it says, quote, all the houses of Jerusalem. So, so Jeremiah is walking through the streets of Jerusalem and he's walking through just smoke and ashes and he's seeing all the places that he loves to go, burn to the ground. He's seeing, he's seeing homes, his home, his friend's home, family home. Like he, he's seeing maybe even freshly dug graves of friends and loved ones. That's the scene that he's walking through. I'm sure that you've all seen the pictures out of Maui recently, right? the terrible fire that went through Maui and just wiped out homes and cars and, and this entire city there, just tremendous loss of life. There's still people who are even missing. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy scene. The city is just nothing but ashes. And I imagine that's how Jeremiah felt. Like that's how I picture this scene in Jerusalem after Nebuchadnezzar comes in and ransacks the whole city and just burns everything to the ground. That's how I'm picturing Jerusalem. And I know, like in our series, we talked about how, how Jeremiah had been telling the people, God commissioned him to go and tell the people that destruction is coming if you don't repent. 
And he had been telling them that for over 40 years. For over 40 years, you need to turn to the Lord or destruction is coming, destruction is coming, destruction is coming. But even after 40 years of preaching that and saying that, when it actually happened, man, it caught him off guard. It, it, it hurt in a lot of ways. And that's the harsh reality of death and tragedy, isn't it? Is that it always comes as a surprise. Like, even if you may be expecting that loved one to not make it through that diagnosis, even if you may expect like something to come along your way, when it hits, it hits hard. And that's what Jeremiah is facing here. So I wanna bring this down to the ground level, bring it down to us in, in this room today. What about you? What are the things that you're facing? What is the smoke and ashes that you're walking through this morning? Maybe it's something at home. Maybe it's something at your job. And listen, I, I want you to try and focus in here. Like, just go in this direction with me. Don't start thinking about all the problems that you have at your job in this moment and get distracted. But have you, have you, are you walking through some smoke and ashes? Are you dealing with some kind of loss? The loss of a child or the loss of a parent? The loss of a job or a dream or a plan that you thought would, would pan out by now and just hasn't? You're dealing with the loss of a relationship or, or of a friendship. What would you do if God was standing right here, right now? Like, would you... Would you run him? Would you cry? Would you, would you tell him about the issues that you're experiencing? Would you lay your head on his shoulder? Would you beat on his chest? Would you fall down in front of him? How would you respond if the Lord was standing right here, right now? How would you tell him about the things that you're walking through? Can I tell you? He is here right now. And he wants to hear of your pain. Like he expects you to bring those things to him. He sees your tears, he hears your prayers, and he's close to the brokenhearted, scripture tells us. And he doesn't enjoy your pain. Scan down to verse 33 in our text. It says, for he does not enjoy bringing affliction or suffering on mankind. You just need to know that sin causes pain, not God. The pain that you're experiencing was never part of his original plans. Pain comes in, suffering, tragedy, death enters the picture when sin enters the picture in Genesis chapter three. It was never part of his good plan. Sin causes that. And so our response in a broken and sinful world that we live in is lament. And lament is a good and natural thing. Now I know like how our society is and just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and don't show any kind of signs of failure or weakness. And I know that maybe culture views lament as weakness, showing pain, just get over it, put on a smile. I even know that some Christians view lament as maybe not trusting in the sovereignty of God. And I want you to know that neither of those things are true. It's not weakness and it's not a distrust in the sovereignty of God. The Bible gives us examples of lament. I mean, goodness, there's a whole book that we're in this morning called Lamentations. David laments in the Psalms. Job, after everything that he walks through, he's lamenting. And even Jesus, Jesus laments. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven, it says, during his earthly life, he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who is able to save him from 
death. So we have good precedent in scripture to say, bring your pain to the Lord. Bring it to him. You can and you should go to him when you're hurt. Just like a little child, whenever they fall down and scrape their knee or they fall and they hurt themselves, what do they do? They run to mom and dad. In the same way, that's what we are to do. We take our pain and our hurts to the Lord. And when we do, we're declaring that he is the only one who can bring comfort and care to our pain. We're acknowledging that the things that are broken are only things that he can fix. And we're trusting that he is good and that he will fix it. So you can bring your pain to him. That's what Jeremiah does. He's hurting, he's broken, there's tears in his eyes, he's walking through the smoke and ashes, and so he brings his pain to the Lord and he voices it. But he doesn't stay there. He doesn't stay there. So how do we lament? First, you recognize real pain. Second, you redirect your mind. Redirect your mind. See, this passage turns. I don't know if you saw it or not, but there's a turn in this passage. Back up to verse 18. We didn't read that a second ago, but look at verse 18. It says, then I thought my future is lost as well as my hope. I've lost my hope is what he's saying. And then look at verse 21. He says, yet I call this to mind and now I have hope. So there's a shift that takes place. The hope that was lost in verse 18 is now recovered by a redirecting of his mind. This is a conscious turning of the mind. Saying, I set my mind on this. And I wanna be crystal clear. If you're walking through depression or anxiety, I'm not just telling you, just put on a happy face. That's not what we see here. Just, just think happy thoughts, put on a smiley face. That's not what it is. But what we see is, yes, I remember the pain, and it seems to hit like a wave whenever I least expect it, but I'm consciously putting my mind on what I know to be true. That's what Jeremiah is doing here. I've told you in the past, whenever we talked about this topic before, is that, is that your pain, your feelings are real, but they aren't always reality. And you've got to remember where truth is is. When questions, when anxiety, when depression starts to creep in, you've got to redirect your mind to the truth because that's where hope is found. And what Jeremiah does is he actually shows us how to do that. How do we redirect our mind? Well, first he says, look back. Look back. That, that's what he says. He, do you see in verse, uh, uh, verse 22, because of the Lord's faithful love, that faithful love is the Hebrew word hesed. It's, it's a beautiful word used all throughout scripture. And what it means is it means the Lord's loyalty and his covenantal love. See, throughout the Old Testament, God is making covenants or promises. He's making them and he's keeping them over and over again. The big ones are, are the promises, the covenants that he makes with Abraham, Moses, and David. And we talked about that several weeks ago in Jeremiah 31, talking about the new covenant, right? But, but the point is this, God makes promises and he keeps them every single time. Every single time. If God says it, he does it. And so what Jeremiah is saying here, whenever he says, because of the Lord's covenantal love, his loyalty, his faithfulness, because of those things, man, I know that he's good. Like he's always been good and I can look back in our history and prove it. And so if he was good back then, right now when I'm walking through the ashes, He's still good. 
He's still good. That's how he's redirecting his mind. He's looking back into those things. And so again, I'll just bring it down to the surface for us. Think about your own life. How has God been good to you? Like specifically in your life. And this may be something good to journal or jot down this afternoon. Just think through all the ways in which the Lord has been so good to you and your family, how he's always come through, how he's always protected you. Even in the midst of some really difficult things, look back and see that the Lord has always been faithful. Therefore, I know now he's gonna be faithful again. We serve a God, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So if he was good back then, he's still good today. And whatever it is you're facing, you can trust him in it. So Jeremiah says, I'm gonna redirect my mind by first looking back, and now I'm gonna trust today. I'm gonna trust today. He says, he says uh, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That word mercies would, would be the word compassion. His undeserved love. The things like you don't deserve it, but he's so good. He's so compassionate. He's so faithful to you, his mercies. And then he says they're new every single morning. How many of you have ever been like awake? And there's two ways of thinking about this, either super late at night or super early in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's, it's really dark and it's, it's you know, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., something like that. It is dark outside. You've been awake then? Have you ever thought in that moment, is the sun gonna come up today? Like I wonder, is it actually gonna come up today? No, why not? Because it always does. Right? The sun always comes up. God designed it that way. In Genesis chapter one, it says that God designed it and he says there was evening and there was morning. He put this whole thing into rotation and into motion and then he uses it throughout scripture to help us understand that yes, there may be darkness, but God's compassion, his mercies are like that sunrise that come in and wipe out the darkness every single day. And you can trust it. You can trust it every single day. And I think, I think the, the remedy to our grieving is just, man, just trust today, one day at a time, that he's gonna give you what you need for today. And you're not gonna try and think about tomorrow or next week or whatever, because honestly, that's too difficult to think about. Just think about today. He says, the Lord is my portion. This idea of grief or pain that just causes a hole in your soul and that he is the perfect portion that comes in and fills it. Right? So just trust today. Look, sometimes whenever you're hurting, you just need strength for today, don't you? Not trying to think too far out. Just, just think about strength for today, and Scripture's clear. He gives it. I know that we would rather just see pain completely wiped out, just once and for all taken off of our plate, but that's just not how it works. And so Jeremiah is telling us, just take a deep breath and trust today and then wake up tomorrow and do it again. Just trust today. In fact, if you scan down to verse 25 and 26 of Lamentations 3, it says that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the person who seeks him, it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And I know like if you're walking through some difficult things, the idea of just sitting quiet and just waiting, 
That can be tough. But just trust the Lord today. His mercies are new every morning. So trust him. See, this passage, this redirecting of his mind, we've gone from depression to the whole point of it, the whole goal of it is hope. That's that's what he says. He says, I have hope from the Lord. I have hope. So this isn't just the idea of, man, I... I hope that the pain goes away. I hope that it all works out. Like we traditionally use the word hope. Like I I hope I get a new bike for Christmas or something like that. Like I'm not really sure, but I hope. That's not how scripture uses hope. In scripture, hope is like an assurance. It's confidence in things that are unseen. I'm sure that it's gonna happen. And so in verse 21, look what he says. He says, I have hope. Right? I, I, I call this to mind and therefore I have hope. And then he says, I have hope because, verse 24, hope is found in him. See, what you need to know is that we have hope because hope is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Hope is found in him alone. In John chapter 11, Jesus had a close friend die. And in that story, it's a story that's full of pain, confusion, guilt, but also a whole lot of hope. The story starts with Jesus receiving a letter saying, Jesus, the one that you love, one of your best friends, is sick and dying. And then what Jesus does next is kind of crazy. It says that he waits two more days before he does anything about it. He doesn't just get up and run to the place where his friend is dying. And and, and it's like, that's kind of confusing. That's kind of odd because obviously Jesus can save him, right? Jesus is the one that gives sight to the blind. He heals crippled people in the streets. Like obviously Jesus could go in, say a word and heal his friend, but he doesn't do it. He waits. And it's hard to understand. And, and later in the story, the family of the man has a hard time understanding it too. But Jesus in the story shows that he has a purpose in it. There's a reason why he waits. And John eleven fourteen 14 says, Jesus told them plainly, he's going to die. And then he says, and I'm glad, which is crazy for him to say, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you would believe. So in this moment, you see that Jesus waits to go see his friend who is dying because he has purpose in it. And then Jesus gets up after he waits a couple of days and he goes to see his friend. And by the time he gets there, his friend has been dead for four days. And he walks in on a scene that's just, I mean, people are beside themselves. There's grieving, the family is crying, the whole city has come out, there's professional mourners, it's just screaming, it's wailing, it's, it's tears are everywhere. That's the scene that Jesus walks in on. And the sisters run up to Jesus and they say, Lord, if you just would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? And maybe you've thought that too. Maybe you're thinking that right now about a situation that you're going through. It's like, Lord, where are you? 
And then Jesus does something that's even more crazy. He just breaks down and starts crying. It's John 11:35, the shortest verse in scripture, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in scripture, but it's maybe one of the most powerful. Because in that moment, you see God in the flesh grieving the loss of a loved one. He's broken over it. This is his friend. He loves his friend. He loves the sisters. And so you see that he's broken over the loss, but you also see that he's, he's, he's crying and he's weeping because he's so angry at sin and at death that caused this whole situation to take place in the first place. It's never supposed to be that way. Again, in, in Genesis 1 and 2, like God created everything perfectly and then sin broke in and caused sin and pain and death. It's not supposed to be that way. So Jesus breaks down and he just cries over it. And then he gets up and he goes to where they buried the guy. And, and the way scripture reads is, is it's intentional. The words that are used there, it's intentional. The way that it actually reads is it says Jesus charged the tomb. Like he went after it. He's angry about it. He's going to the tomb to fix it. And he gets there and he says, remove this stone. And they say, Lord, he's been dead for four days. He's going to be stinking and decaying. And like, you don't want to do that. And he says, open up the tomb. The sisters give permission because they trust in Jesus to do this. And then Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And then one of the craziest verses in scripture, I want to read it to you. John eleven forty four. The dead man came out. <laughs> Like, I know that you've heard this story, but don't gloss over that. The dead man came out, bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him go. So this story, it shows us a few things. And I think it really ministers to us in whatever pain and whatever suffering that you're walking through this morning. It shows us that Jesus has purpose in the pain. It shows us that Jesus is not okay with the pain, but it also shows you that Jesus has power over the pain. He has power over death. And that's where the hope comes from. Hope is a person, hope is Jesus. Just as he charged the tomb of Lazarus in just a couple of weeks from this moment, Jesus is gonna be put in his own tomb. He's gonna die in your place and in mine. And when he does, he comes bursting out of the tomb alive. And he offers you hope that's beyond comprehension. Hope that is beyond the grave. Jesus says in John eleven twenty five, 25, he tells the sisters, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, he says, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Do you see it? This is hope. This is hope for us. First Peter chapter one, verse three. I want to read this to you. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you. 
You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So why do we have hope? We have hope because Jesus is alive. That by his death, he has defeated death. By his death, he's defeated death, and he's defeated depression and anxiety and cancer and all of the different things that you may be facing. In the ultimate sense, those things don't hold a candle to him and what he's done. And that's where hope comes from. All who trust in Jesus as Lord are going to live in all of eternity in the tearless, guiltless, shameless, painless kingdom of God. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 tells us that, yes, we grieve, sure, but we don't grieve without hope. We've got hope. Billy Graham said, for the believer, there is hope beyond the grave because Jesus Christ has opened the door to heaven for us by his death and his resurrection. So you can face the pain today because you have an unending hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.